You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. I am your host, Tony Lopes, and with me today is Marissa Marconi, the president and founder of Pinnacle Plan Writing, LLC. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. Thank you for joining us. It's great to have you here. Obviously, you are tuning in remotely to join us for the podcast, and we really appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me, and, and welcome to my, my home office. <laughs> 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 Make sure. Yeah, of course. So under quarantine, COVID-19, as we all know, is is ongoing. And so we would be recording this remotely, you and I, either way, because you're in Portland, Oregon, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Portland, Oregon. And we are all in quarantine here as well. Yeah, exactly. So uh, nationwide quarantine, of course. But more importantly, today we're going to be talking about how to strategize your business plan development. Um, and especially during the current time, great opportunity to start that side hustle, great opportunity if you're thinking about starting a business to begin with. And a big part of that, obviously, is business plan development. And hiring a consulting firm like Pinnacle Plan Writing is a phenomenal way to help you get over that gap of what do I need to do? How much of this do I really need to fill out? What are all the details that we need to put into it? So we'll discuss that in, in heavy, heavy detail today and hopefully provide some really valuable content for the listeners. Marissa Marconi is the president and founder of Pinnacle Plan Writing LLC, a boutique business plan development and consulting firm. They specialize in developing comprehensive business plans for entrepreneurs and business owners who are pursuing business-related immigration, raising capital, or require a business plan for applications, licenses, or RFPs, requests for proposals. If they also provide consulting, advisory, market research, location analysis, and strategy plans for companies planning for growth or market expansion. Their firm's business model is rooted in quality over quantity philosophy, and they work closely with clients to ensure that they have a plan that not only performs, but informs. Very, very important, and, and I commend you for that. Their specialization is in developing business plans for immigrant and non-immigrant visa petitions including E2, L1, and EB5 visas. Marissa works closely with leading immigration attorneys across the United States on projects ranging from small startups launched by E2 treaty investors to large development projects sponsored by EB5 regional centers. In addition to immigration-related plans, Marissa has a particular interest in developing plans and market research reports for the restaurant, cannabis, retail, fintech, and real estate industries, all very popular and very hot in the news right now. So this is really useful information for all of those groups. So Marissa's first foray into entrepreneurialism is that she, she grew up in Las Vegas where it was very hot as early as March of every year. There was a 7-Eleven about a mile from her house and neighborhood. She would walk up the mile and back to the 7-Eleven and buy dozens of candy bars for 55 cents each. Then she'd walk them back to the neighborhood and sell them to all the neighborhood kids for a dollar a pop. Pretty nice profit margin, I have <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, pretty good profit margin. <laughs> I think I could have squeezed them a little more, but you know, <laughs> it was my first four way well, into it. So. Well, yeah, looking back, right, that was probably big bucks back then, especially <laughs> yeah. at, at, at that age for you. Yeah, for a 10 year old, I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. that's big money. <laughs> that's really impressive. You, Got a markup of forty five percent there, about right? Almost, a, almost a full hundred percent. Sorry, almost a hundred percent markup there. That's pretty incredible. Um, 
you did this once a week or so. The kids did not want to walk in the heat themselves to buy candy bars. So you took the opportunity to turn a profit. Hey, listen, you deliver with something something that the people want, they will pay there for it, right? Exactly. Business 101. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So let's dive right in. Let's talk about your strategies for developing a business plan. Walk us through, you know, what a business plan is and uh, what you think are sort of the core parts. And then we'll, we'll dig into best practices for each one. Sure, sure. So, you know, a business plan, you can look online. There's a million outlines out there. There's a million, you know, best ways to write a business plan. But ultimately, a, a business plan should really be designed for what you need it to be. Uh, it, and, and whether that's a startup business, whether that's an existing business, whether, you know, it, you're look, get looking to apply for some sort of license or what have you, um, the, the core of the business plan is really to tell the story about the business. So it's introducing what it is that the business does, what the opportunity is for that business in the market, how it's going, you know, what its objectives are and how it's going to achieve, achieve those objectives. So in a nutshell, those are really kind of the key points that any business plan ought to cover, regardless of what you're using it for. Mm -hmm. But then depending on how you want to use it and what you need it for, it, there should be some more refinement there. There should be some more specifics and, and uh, details to uh, address the audience that you're speaking to. So again, I mean, it's, it's really a business plan is, is just kind of a fancy and, and sometimes overly complicated way of telling the story about a business and, and, and convincing somebody something of your business, right? Maybe even yourself as a roadmap for your business internally. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the general, general four pieces of it. What it is that you do, why it's needed in the market, what you want to do with it and how you're going to make that happen. Those are kind of the key pieces of, of what you want to capture in your business plan. And then how you do that is going to be tailored to specifically, again, what your audience is and what the plan is for. Exactly. And a lot of this is really helpful in terms of fleshing out feasibility studies, thinking about those big picture items like you talked about, but also really thinking about the details. Is this a feasible business? Do I know enough about this area to get involved in this business to begin with? We don't want another fire festival on our hands, especially when it comes to preparing a business, right? So a lot of this is really critical to getting through that, that sort of cascading thought process of thinking through a business. So how about yeah. best practices and uses of a business plan in terms of pitching a concept to potential investors? Sure. So for investors, I, I look at the approach for, for investors a little bit differently than other plans because the, the whole point of the business plan for investors is to convince them that your idea is novel, that it's different, it's a disruptor, you know, it's such a common word in the industry, <laughs> uh, but that there's something different or something unique or, or why would you put your money into this as opposed to anything else? Right. Um, and so you're really trying to convince somebody um to, to see your point, to see why it is that your business is going to be unique and why it's going to be successful. And that's kind of the top layer of it. And then underneath that, you want to provide the meat and the, uh, the evidence for that. So right. market analysis, showing that you've looked into the market, showing that you understand where your product or your business is situated among other uh, competitors. Um, and I think that when you're pitching to investors, it's, it's kind of a, there's a lot of different schools of thought on this. You need a complete business plan, not always. Uh, sometimes just having a pitch deck, sometimes just having an investor narrative to get your foot in the door, especially if you're looking with, you know, friends and family investors, or you're just kind of uh, uh, shopping the idea out there. A full business plan, a 40-page document that goes into intense detail about the market and the feasibility of it, 
it may turn turn an investor off. It may not be the best uh, intro. So again, that's kind of uh, back to the point of, of tailoring your message to who it is that you're speaking to. For investors, they want to they want to understand quickly and with a good message what it is that you're selling, why it's different, and why it's worth their money. Mm-hmm. And you can achieve that with a really strong pitch deck. You can achieve that with a really well crafted narrative document, and then have the full business plan as kind of your your fallback document or your ace in the hole to get to get that you know as you get along in the fundraising process to have that as a document to provide. Right. Um, so that's usually how I approach the the investor pitch. It's really more of a, a pitchy document. It's um, short. It's to the point, and it's really hitting on those key points and not getting into elaborate detail about everything else. And then later, that would be done in like a full business plan. Right. Exactly. And you can also use a business plan as a tool. And a lot of times, it's actually required when you're applying for a bank loan. Obviously, right yeah. now we're going through this craziness with the PPP, the uh, Payroll yep. Protection Program, SBA loan. There are some SBA disaster recovery loans out there. There are other loans that are are being sort of pushed by the SBA, by the federal government because of this COVID-19 issue that we're dealing with. So a lot of times having this prepared or having a professional like yourself help to draft a, a business plan can get you across a lot of those hurdles. Also, it puts all of the information sort of in one place, right? So when you're applying for these loans, you're going, oh, I I don't remember what my cost of gold goods sold was in, you know, a year ago or two years ago. I may not have that readily available for a large majority of the small businesses are not going to have that information readily available. So having it in a business plan really makes it easy. You can kind of just go page by page. But what are some of the other best practices and what do banks want to see in a business plan when you're applying for a business loan? Sure. So the, the business plans for bank loans are a little bit different in that, um, well, let me just first preface by saying for a lot of the, the PPP and the COVID-related uh, lo- uh, loans that are available right now, luckily, you don't need a full business plan to apply for those. Like you said, there's a lot of content and information um, that would be in a business plan that they're going to want to see or that you would, would be part of the application. But luckily, they're making it fairly easy and you don't need to submit an entire business plan. Right. Um, and I would encourage your listeners to, for specifically those types of loans that are you know intended for disaster relief right now, just get applied. Just, just don't worry about the business plan, just get it moving. But when you're looking at more of like SBA loans for starting a business or expanding a business, um, it's more of a I don't want to say formality because it makes it seem like it doesn't matter, but it's more of a document that the bank wants to see as, um, as evidence of, of that, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, you're not necessarily pitching so much, but you would want a full business plan to lay out everything you need, at least a three-year financial forecast. You know, you want, you want to, to give a clear indication to the bank that their risk in loaning you the capital um, is, is well informed in that you know what you're doing. And so the, the bank loan business plans are going to be more of a traditional business plan. That's going to cover all the sections. You want a full document there, not just a pitch, not just a pitch deck. You want more of a traditional business plan in that sense that covers um, what it is that you would see as like a business plan outline from, you know, MBA classes or what have you. That's what banks are expecting to see. Right, exactly. And, and also, it really shows that you're sophisticated in your thinking about your business to begin with, that you have a business right. plan. Because a lot of entrepreneurs walk into the door and go, hey, I need a, a bank loan, but you know, I don't have a business plan set up yet, or I don't have all of the information that I need to be included in the plan yet. What about... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, just one, one more point to that. Like When you think about it as an entrepreneur, I mean... I, entrepreneurs are always more usually typically headstrong, right? It's, <laughs> I've got this idea. 
I haven't thought about all of the angles yet, but man, I can pitch it and right. I will eventually figure out how to make it happen. That's what the kind of angle that you're looking at when you're pitching to investors. It's what's your elevator pitch, spread it out a little bit and get it on paper in a pitch deck. And that's going to get you in the door with a bank, a two minute pitch and there's no competitors in the market. It's huge is not going to be enough. The bank right. wants the more, right. it's a government you know, program. Usually there's more of a, um, requirements related to that and expectations related to that rather than on the investor side of things where it's, you know, you're looking to, to pursue something new and interesting and different. That's more pitchy. Right. And again, this, again, not to keep uh, uh, promoting you, but why not? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Having someone like yourself involved in this process really does cut so much time and heavy lifting down because you know, you have a checklist as a professional in your mind of, okay, these are the elements that I constantly see on a regular basis. These are the things that you're going to need in that business plan to prepare appropriately for whatever type of application you're using it for. And it's going to help you cross that precipice so much faster. Um, Yeah. Like every, every entrepreneur, everybody starting a business or owning their own business. I mean, myself, you you have a million, a million mind maps, right? Right. You've got notebooks full of ideas. You've got documents full of ideas. You're thinking about it all the time. Like this is how, this is how it works. And the business plan is just a way to kind of pull from that. The most important pieces, distill it into a comprehensive and cohesive argument for your business. So whereas the entrepreneur is, you know, I've, I've got this plan. It's in my head. I know what I want to do. And I have all these ideas on paper. The business plan writer pulls that together and says, yeah. this is important. This is important. This is great, but you don't need to put it in your document. You know, this is what you should be focusing on. Let's research this a little bit more. And right. that's how working with a business fund writer can facilitate the process of, of putting that all together. Exactly. Exactly. Now, how about applying a business plan for growth of an existing business? So a lot of times, and I've had clients who, who are in this situation and no shame zone, right? I mean, we're, no one's perfect, but a lot of times you get into a business and especially entrepreneurs, to your point. They, they kind of, they have a great idea. They go chase that idea. They look for execution, worry about the details later a lot. And sometimes it's good, even when you're a few years out, now that you've got some revenue, now that things have grown, now that you've shown that there's um, uh, some muster to this, for lack of a better term, right? You've, mm-hmm. you've proven your concept. Uh, congrats, but now maybe you want to have a business plan anyways to help plan for serious growth, right? Right. So what about using that, using a business plan as a tool for growth of an existing business? What are the things we sure. want to look out for there? So that's, that's a whole different animal in terms of what the business plan ought to look like. Because again, you're not introducing a concept now. It's more the nitty gritty. It's more of an internal document. It's a roadmap that says, here's where we are and we want to grow. Well, how are we going to reach that? So those are, I usually approach um, more from like a research standpoint first to understand and assess what it is that's going on currently in your business. What market opportunities are there out there? Are there competitors already doing something like this? So it's, it's more kind of a holistic a, a look at the business, a, a look at the market and, and some research therein. And then it's more strategy focused. So right. a business plan that's for your existing growth, if you're specifically, if you're using it internally, you don't necessarily need to get into a lot of detail about what your business is and what your business does, right? Like when I write my own internal business plan, my section about what I am is, you know, it's a paragraph because we, we all know this, but the right. strategy piece is more important. So what are the steps to get there? When will different elements of this be rolled out? 
and it's, it's more like project management in that sense and that you're putting together a document that is um, action oriented rather than act oriented. And it just has to be angled in that way um, and, and, and devised in that way a little bit differently. And again, I mean, it, it helps to work with somebody to put that together. And a lot of that has to come from the entrepreneur because that, you know, it's in their brain, it's in their mind, what their plan is to get right. to the next level. But the research there really at the front end of it can help to, um, coalesce that into some specifics and, and some more, uh, actionable items and, uh, dispel anything that may, you thought might be a growth opportunity. And then you look into it and find out there's 10 other competitors doing the same thing and they really have a handle on the market and there's really not space to be there. Right. So that's what I think is a little bit more important on the existing business plans is, is leading with that research piece. Yeah. And to that end, you can use specific tools for that analysis, right? So SWOT right. is what is one of my, uh, from my business school yeah. days and, and yeah. one of my favorite strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So let's talk about a, the practical application of that, how someone can use a SWOT analysis to examine mm -hmm. their current market position and then B, what some of the other current tools that you like are that you want to see as well. Sure. Yeah. I like the SWOT analysis for existing businesses. I don't necessarily think it has a place in a new and a startup business's business plan because you're not operating at, you know, how do you know what your strengths and weaknesses are in, until you're operating? Right. You have no um, proof of concept yet to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Then that, that, those elements should be covered elsewhere in the business plan. It's just kind of redundant for a startup business to have a SWOT analysis. But Makes for sense. the existing business, it's an excellent tool because it really is kind of a self reflection, right? You know, I, we do this really well. We have great Twitter following. We have, you know, a, an excellent referral network. You know, what are our weaknesses? Well, you know, we don't as much as we would like to. We don't, you know, we, we aren't able to necessarily get into this market over here and we can't figure out why. It, it just really forms a mind map for understanding where you're at and what you can do. The opportunities piece is really driven by that research that I was talking about. Well, what do we see? Where are some trends in the market? So right now, for example, with COVID, Okay, so nobody's doing face-to-face, -face, you know, interactions anymore. We're all working from home. As a business, can you pivot your business model to, to, to find some opportunity in this downturn? Is there things that you can offer online? Is there uh, services that you can offer your existing customers to keep some connection with your brand? So that's kind of like identifying and, and really thinking out of the box of what's available there. And then threats, like what are other competitors doing? Does it look like any of them are moving into this space? Um, so it, it really is an excellent tool to, to look at objectively. And it's important as a business owner to be really objective with your own business and not look at it always with rosy colored glasses. Right. Um, and so I really do like that tool. I think that, um, that tool is really good for existing businesses. And then as a project manager and as a planner, you know, the step-by-step -step tools are really important as well. So if you're getting from point A to point B, really break it down and, and just, define what needs to happen at each step along the way to make that happen. It's easy enough to say, you know, I want to have, uh, my business is really referral based, for example. So I, I work with a lot of attorneys and I work with a lot of tax clients that come back to me. So it would be easy for me to say, okay, well, I want to expand my referral network from my current network and to, you know, a hundred more immigra immigration attorneys referring me business. Right. Well, that's a great goal, but you know, how do I do that? Right. So, <laughs> so breaking that down. Okay. Like what are different avenues that I can do to get right. to or what? And so I, I think that specifically for existing business plans, existing businesses thinking about their strategy plans, 
really getting into the fine points of the step-by-step process right. to get from A to B is a really excellent um, uh, exercise just to do. And also um, can then, once you do that, I mean, then there you have the outline and the backbone of your plan, right? right. right. Now you've got your strategy section. Yeah. To do a little bit of an example with you, we can work out one live here. Well, let's take your, your hundred immigration attorneys example. We'll work it out together. So, um, uh, full disclosure, we've, we'll get into this in a little bit when we start talking about, uh, immigrant visas, uh, immigrant entrepreneur visas, E2 visas. Uh, you and I have worked in that space with visa franchise. Visa franchise was Mm -hmm. a guest, uh, Patrick Findaro was on our show previously. Uh Yeah. So, um, Talking about this example, how you would go about a hundred to get to a hundred immigration attorneys—a great idea and example. So, okay, that's your long-term goal, as you said. And what that does is creating this formal exercise for thinking through this problem helps you to start take those taking those incremental backward steps from your goal to where I am now to how I need to take that first step. For example. So I guess you would lay out, I love that you keep using mind maps, by the way, because they're such a great tool, right? I actually have one near me here, but uh, I won't show it so that people don't see the crazy stuff that I write yeah. down in my mind Same. maps, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they're such a great tool because you put in the center, okay, contact a hundred immigration attorneys. And then you just start saying, okay, link, cold LinkedIn requests, uh, cold emails, email marketing, you know, all of those things. Uh, where, mm-hmm. where do they live on the internet, Facebook, psychographic issues, things like that. And you start to lay this out and then you can, you know, from each one individually knock out different ways to do so. So yeah, right. like, like that, that, that planning process and putting it down on, there's something about the old school pen and paper. I love it. Right. Yeah. Right. There's something about yeah. it that just adds that added or something. I don't know yeah, what it is. I have like six different notebooks around my house. <laughs> I even bought one of those Surface Pros that you can write on with a yep, pen yep. because I wanted it to be in one place, but I wanted to write still. Yeah, is is it true. working out for you? With I mean, the Surface I can Pro? show you one of my crazy mind maps. On sure. It if yeah. If you want to share, why not? <laughs> it's, um, it's working out all right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the, the, the pen tool really works quite well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I won't wish them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that when you just start writing things down and just kind of let your mind go where it will without trying to confine it into, right. you know, I'm sitting here to write this right. instead of it's I'm sitting here to jot my ideas down. You just find that you have more ideas than you thought that you would, and you yeah. and you find that that one idea leads to the next and leads to the yeah. next. And I I think it's I mean it's a I've I can't speak highly enough of, of just that practice. Even if you're an entrepreneur, if you're, if you own a business, if you're trying to think of things to do, spend five to 10 minutes a day, just jotting ideas down yeah. and keep it all together and, and revisit it from time to time, because you may find that there were ideas that you had two months ago that maybe did not apply to where you were at in your business. And maybe they do now. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's a great, great exercise. And you're also sort of offloading your brain. And, and for lack yeah. of a better term, just allowing your subconscious to like, okay, now I can free up that space and work on the problem mm-hmm. in the background. And then you'll have more of those eureka moments, so to speak, as totally. they happen, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's just good, Absolutely. good planning, good, good, practical habit forming exercises, right? To, to make you better. All right, let's yeah, shift absolutely. to the immigration visa stuff. So okay. you and I mainly, I, I, I'm not an immigration attorney, but I work with a lot of the immigration attorneys that you work with. And obviously we have visa franchise in common as well. Uh, I do the business side of those transactions largely. So when we're working with those individuals, 
How do you tailor plans specifically for each of those types of visas? Yeah, that's a great question. So each visa, um, the employment and, and investment related visas, so specifically I'm talking about E2, EB5, L1 are kind of the core ones there, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. H1B, but depending. Um, those are the, the requirements of the visa are very specific. So for an E2 investor, they have to invest something that is uh, substantial and it doesn't have to be more than marginal. For an L1 visa, it's, you know, a foreign company is, is starting a new office in the U.S. and transferring an executive there. So it's all about that executive and what their role is. And for, and, and for an EB-5 visa, it's about investment in a U.S. business that's going to create jobs. So the plans that are, all of these visas should have a business plan attached to supplement the argument that you're making, right. which is that the requirements of the visa are being met. So the plan should be tailored to address those requirements. So an E2 plan, for example, uh, let's use an example of a, um, a new restaurant. So a, an investor is coming here to invest money to start a new restaurant in the, in the U.S. So we need to show that the investment is more than is substantial. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's relative to the cost of a similar business operating and that the business is more than marginal. So it can support more than just the investor and his or her family, but also uh, supports other areas of the economy, either through job creation or purchases of good supplies or what have you. So the business plan really should be tailored to hit on those key points over and over again and show that there is an economic contribution and show that there is job creation and show that there is um, this active non-marginal business. Um, and so those would be the key points. Now for an L1, where uh, we're focused more on the visas for an executive that's coming over to start a U.S. office. Right. Now we're, we're a little bit more concerned about defining that that role is executive in nature. So how does that person fit into the business and its, and its organizational structure? It, what does the business do and does it require an executive position? Why does, it ha- why does there need to be a U.S. office? So that would be the angle that you would take with that plan. And then for an EB-5 plan where you're really focused on job creation, it's how is this, business, how is this investment going to allow this business to create jobs? And so you want to spend a lot of time on the job creation piece there to show the progression of jobs being created over time, that that it aligns with industry benchmarks, that it's not just, oh, we're creating these jobs with no proof or evidence. So it's, it's, the, it's a business plan, again, like I said at the beginning here, it's a business plan in its core, but for each type of immigrant visa or non-immigrant visa, you've got to really focus on the parts that are the requirements for that visa. Right, right. And that works then like hand in glove with the other elements of the of the petition for the visa mm-hmm. to make the strongest petition possible for these investors. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so how does the voice of these plans, for lack of a better term, differ from an investment or a bank plan traditionally? Yeah, good question. It's, it's more um, informative rather than pitchy. So, you know, whereas with an investor plan, you might lead with a really strong pitch in the executive summary in a business plan for an E2 plan or an L1, you're leading with the information. Right. This is the business. This is when it was started. This is what it's going to do. And and it's just more uh, it's more formal in, in tone to uh, to underscore the viability of it, to underscore that, you know, you're hitting these key requirements. I tend, I generally, I kind of think about it. Uh, my sister and I were chatting about this. She's also an entrepreneur. She started this co-working community here. Cool. But she, she said, you know, I really think about your business as, you know, you write government documents and then you write non-government documents. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's actually exactly what it is. And so when you're pitching <laughs> to investors is like this non-government, but I think about like bank plans and, 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 and uh, visa plans as, 
they're basically government documents. And so it's like that stodgy, more formal, <laughs> you know, it's like government documents. I have no so idea what you mean it. being an attorney. No idea. Yeah, what you exactly. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about the actual process of engaging with you and with Pinnacle. So what should entrepreneurs or business owners or um, immigrant entrepreneurs expect when they're working with a business plan writer or business planning firm? Sure. So um, there's a couple of things to, uh, there's there's good ways. There's, let me, let me think about this. No worries. No worries. No worries. There's, um, there's pros and cons to working with an outside firm. So, and, and a lot of it has to do with understanding what it is that you're getting into before you do it. So if you work with an outside company to write your business plan, it's important to know they're not going to tell you what your business ought to be. Right. So if you're contacting a business plan writing firm and you say, well, what, what business should I be doing? They're all going to say, you figure that out and come back when you decide it. <laughs> you know, we're not starting this business for you. Right. Um, and so that's important to keep in mind. And then also like what the process looks like, which is a lot of, it should be um, some back and forth. It should be uh, the business plan writer or the company that you're working with should be engaging with you to gather everything that you are thinking and know and what you want for your business. And then be able to work with that in whatever way makes you the most productive. Right. So some clients I work with, have the makings, right? It's, I know I want to do a restaurant. I know I want to do it. I, it's going to be here. I don't really know much about that market because I'm overseas and I don't really know what goes on in Miami with the restaurant industry. And so my role then is to kind of fill in those gaps with research and right. to scaffold that process, to provide information and to inform my client, as well as to kind of take their initial thoughts and craft it into a larger document that then we can collaborate on. And I say, you know, it, the, the, the document then can say, well, here's some suggestions for marketing, for example. And they say, right. well, we don't really want to do that. We do want to do that. Right. So it's a collaboration. So expect it to be a collaboration when you're working with a business plan writing firm or, or, or professional and expect it to be something that, or it should be something that can be tailored to what you need right. um, as much involvement or as little involvement. I mean, there's got to be some leeway there. Um, some people don't need to work with an outside company. I mean, if you're a great writer, you've been in business for a long time and you really have an idea of what you want to put down pen on paper, then don't work with an outside firm, write it yourself. I mean, there's plenty of guides online. Um, maybe just consult with somebody and say, you know, I wrote this myself. I, I need a second set of eyes. And right. are there any inputs? Like outside, outside companies can do that as well, but you know, don't pay for something you don't need. I mean, not to, not, not to plug myself away from business, but you won't get any value out of it. You want to get value out of what you invest right, in. Right. Um, and then I think just really understand who you're working with at the end and what it is that you need so that the document that you get back really is tailored to exactly what you need. Because a lot of times, you know, you can get, there's a lot of templates out there. There's a lot of just general ways to write a business plan. And you want to make sure that when you're going into it and you're expecting a roadmap, you get a roadmap and not something that was just a formality. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those are just some things to think about and to consider. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All of those are really good points to consider. You're like a Sherpa for their business early yeah, on, right? You You're guiding them to that, to that peak that they're trying to get I mean, to. That's a really nice with pinnacle, like the mountain. <laughs> exactly. Like you know, we tying it all together. Yeah. I love it. You're the Tenzing Norgay of, uh, of business plan writing. I love it. Um, I'm rolling out a new website with a Sherpa on it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. No worries. 
Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about what the expected costs are for working with a business plan writer or with a business plan firm. What what can people budget for? What should they expect? It it ranges by firm, obviously, and by writer, and by what you get. So. On the low end, I mean, you can find companies out there. If you do some Google searches, you can find companies out there that are like $399 for a business plan. Uh, If if you're looking to work with somebody to write your business plan for you, you're going to pay at least, at the very least, $1,500 for a solid plan that would work for like bank lending or something like that. Now, the more tailored it needs to be and the more specialized it needs to be, then it goes up in price. And some, you know, you could pay up to 10 grand for a business plan. I would say if like the range, I think just for your, for your listeners, cause it's really hard to find this information out there. Everybody would just want to quote you, but inside information here for, for bank plans, you're probably going to pay between 1200 and $2,000 for a bank plan. For an investor pitch plan, you're probably going to pay $2,500 to up to 10, depending on what it is that you're doing and how complicated it right. needs to be. For immigration plans, again, you know, 1500 to, you know, my EB-5 plans can be priced up to 6500 depending on how complicated they are. So that's kind of what you need to expect or what to expect when you're looking at prices and you're going to these different companies for quotes. It's all going to be around those four-figure prices. You're, if, you, if you're getting quoted for something other, under $1,000, you're basically getting a template that you're kind of filling out and they're putting together for you, which is fine. And maybe that serves your purpose but know what you're getting into, know what you want out of the process and expect the price accordingly. Right. Okay. Let's shift a little bit to, oh, I'm sorry. Let's talk about this. You have a, you'll be offering a webinar to, to wrap, to talk about a webinar series to talk about how to develop different types of business plans. Tell us a little bit about that webinar, when you're going to be hosting it, where we can find it, how can, how we can attend if we want to. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to do a series of webinars and uh, speaking of shifting and pivoting your business model. So right now for me, you know, all of the, the consulates are closed. USAS is not right. doing in-person interviews. So um, everybody's just dealing with this right now. So not a lot of people are really engaging me for plan writing right now, which is fine. I mean, you, you plan for that in course of business. So I'm shifting and pivoting to, well, how can I help, right? Like, how can I inform my audience? How can I inform my clients and prospective clients and, and help us with information. So I'm going to offer a series of webinars. That's just kind of, kind of like what we've been talking about here, but drilling down into some more specifics about how different types of plans should be tailored for audiences. So I'll I'll do a a webinar for developing an E2 plan, for example, a webinar for developing an investor pitch deck. Um, And the first one I'm going to roll out will be next week. And you can find information for that on my LinkedIn page. Um, and also on my website, I'll have a, uh, some information on there for it. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, I'll be posting to my Pinnacle Twitter account as well, which I'm just now getting up and off. <laughs> well, send, us, <laughs> send me the links. I'll put it in the show notes. So anybody who's Wonderful. listening to or watching this, uh, go to the show notes below. It'll be down there in a link for sure. Uh, great. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's, that's really helpful to a lot of people, especially during this current economic uh, uh, uncertainty period for lack of a better term, right? This is, this is a great opportunity. And I agree with you hundred percent in times like these, it's like Warren Buffett says, right? Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And right now everybody is fearful. Great time to start a side hustle. Great time to invest that extra time at home into some project that you've been putting aside 
or a great time to invest that extra time at home to learning how to play an instrument or, or you know, throw on some Bob Ross and paint some happy little trees. Do whatever you want with your time, but good, good use of your time to pivot into some of these other areas of interest. And if you're looking to start a business, now is really a great opportunity. Um, yeah, okay. you know, yeah. No, go sorry, go ahead. no, 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 no. Go. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think that especially in times where, you know, everything's uncertain and it's, it's impossible to know what's going to happen, everybody's got to find their way to control things in their own way. Absolutely. And, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners typically control their world by planning it yep. and by <laughs> by doing things, right? So if, if, if it's your way of, of feeling relief and solace in this time, to plan some stuff, do it, you know, yeah. do what you can. <laughs> Not only that, but I think, uh, it's just a good mental exercise rather than sitting around driving yourself crazy, reading negative articles on Facebook. To your point, we had a guest on, uh, specifically we did a, a, we've been doing a couple of special edition COVID-19 releases. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw those. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Rob's 10 K friends, Rob, Rob Lawless was on the show and the term he used was control the controllables. You can't mm-hmm. control COVID-19. You can't mm-hmm. control the spread. You can't control all this negative stuff that's happening around the world. It's terrible. You know, of course we feel bad. We're not saying not to be empathetic or sympathetic with those that are going through this. But you, if you're sitting at home and you're fortunate enough to have a roof over your head, no judgment, but this is a great opportunity to sit down, mind map, think about these business ideas that you've had in the back of your mind, look into feasibility. Buying a domain's not that expensive. Designing yeah. it yourself on Squarespace now that you have the time's not that expensive. Learning how to do a lot of this stuff on YouTube's not that expensive. And then it's such a great opportunity right now to do things for free for other people so that yeah. you can build value. And then when we all come out of this, they're going to remember that, that you were the person that was there for them and said, hey, you know what? You need a little bit of help. You know, okay, fine. Here's what we're going to do. I'll kind of guide you. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to collaborate later together. Um, yeah. Yeah. And great then, idea. I, I mean, I think that's also to the point where it's like, you know, it's, so, it's, it's trite at this point, but we're all alone together or what have you. But <laughs> I mean, truly it is, is the case. Everybody is going through COVID-19 together, mm-hmm. but everybody's circumstance and situation is 100% like my circumstance is completely different than my neighbors. Yeah. And, you know, and so do what you can and what works for you. And then, you know, all of us in the business community and, and offering these services, like, let's come together and let's let's keep the ideas moving because yeah. eventually the economy is going to be coming back. Yep. Eventually, people are going to need things. So in the background, if we just keep these ideas moving, if we just keep things kind of pushing forward and, and keeping the, the ingenuity of the American drive, I mean, not again, not to sound too catty, but... Um, no, I love it. This is, pushing, this is exactly what people need. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly what people need is, is people delivering that message, stop reading all the clickbait stuff with all the negative stuff, get your facts from the real sources. Yes, the numbers mm-hmm. are climbing, you know, they're, they're, there's no super positive way to look about at, at that, right? But maybe if everybody just stayed inside, we wouldn't have these issues, not just right. yeah. PSI, stay the hell inside. <laughs> yes, yes, stop doing it. Stop going out. Yeah, um, but yeah, to that end, you know, you, you've got some time just you know, focus on something, put your energy to some productive use. It'll help you get through this better. And you'll come out feeling so much better when we, when we finally come out of this thing. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. let's, let's shift now towards your development of research reports. 
something that's really interesting to me. And we'll talk about a how you got into that. Walk us through how you got into that space, especially in cannabis, but also restaurants, retail, fintech, and uh, real estate industries, and what your research reports typically entail for those types of clients. Sure. So there's a couple of different types of reports that we can do. So um, we can do like location analyses where we're looking mm-hmm. at uh, specifically brick and mortar locations that are consumer facing in that way. Um, you can look at that and, and, and pull demographics that are specific to the different radii around there and different trends that are happening. So um, those reports can be really helpful in choosing between locations and identifying um, areas where locations might be beneficial for a growing business or for a starting business. So we do that and we use a lot of um, resources that we subscribe to, research research resources. Um, Ibis World is one, uh, Esri, which is, uh, they do online uh, data analytics and things like that. Uh, BizMiner is another great one. Uh, they do very specific location, uh, specific information for businesses mm-hmm. and industries. Um, so that's one element of it. And then the other side of it is research reports that are more uh, focusing on industry trends and, and market trends. Um, you spoke to like cannabis, for example. Research right. reports can be really beneficial for um, larger groups or or even you know small to mid sized groups that are looking to expand into some of these states that are becoming uh, that are. Uh, uh, legalizing recreational cannabis. Uh, what are the requirements of the different applications? What you know, every state has different licensure uh, requirements. Every state has different um, uh, operational requirements. So having the front, the front end research on those kinds of things before you develop the plan or before you develop your response to an application or uh, or submit an application for a license uh, is is really beneficial in those spaces as well. Awesome. And what is uh not to pry too much, but what does a research plan like this typically cost? Um, mine range from between 2000 to 7,000, again, mm-hmm. depending on the scope. Um, if it's a simple analysis of a location, that's kind of like on the lower end. Um, that, uh, that doesn't take as much, right? Surprisingly, that doesn't take as much time as, um, if it's something that's more of like a comprehensive market research report that's addressing trends and in industry and trends in a market and, and looking at competitors and, and that kind of stuff, it's just, it gets a little bit more engaged and involved. So there's right. a range there. Right. Okay. And I hate to say that. I mean, when I look for things on, when I'm looking for pricing for things that I want, I just want somebody to tell me exactly what it costs, <laughs> which is why I'm, well, I'm trying to share yeah. as much as I can about pricing. But I mean, ultimately it, it kind of does depend. Yeah. There's, there's so much variability, right? I mean, it's hard to really yeah. hammer down. It can be such a wide range. I myself as an attorney tend to flat fee the majority of the stuff that I do. I, it's administratively a lot less burdensome for me, but it's mm-hmm. also easier for a client to budget. And quite frankly, 99.9% of my clients arguably end up better off than if I charge them hourly, right? They get more time on the phone. They get more of that uh, comfortability, comfort level with just being able to text me if they have an issue or a question, you know, we'll jump on a call real quick. I'll answer emails and you don't have to worry about added, oh, what's this guy going to bill me for all of this extra stuff? So it's with that thought process. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I do it too. I do it as packages too. So now tell us how you're dealing with COVID-19 and staying home as an entrepreneur and a small business owner yourself and uh, the advice that you give to other entrepreneurs and business owners who are out there and and stuck inside as we all are. Sure. So I'm sorry. I just have to put my uh, 
running out of battery juice. There we go. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So as I said earlier, you know, business is relatively slow for me because you know not a lot of people are thinking about this right now. Everybody's just dealing with what's going on, which is totally understandable and, and should be what's happening. Um, but so for me and for my business, I'm I'm shifting things. I'm looking at doing some webinars. I'm turning internally. So there's a lot of stuff as as most entrepreneurs and small business owners will probably agree with me. There's a lot of things that, you know, it's like, Oh, I got to get to that. I got to, I'll do that next week. Like, Oh, I, I still haven't like really fixed to those samples the way that I want them to look. You know, there's all of these, you know, everybody's got to do this. So right. I'm really focusing on that. I'm looking at some outward engagement and, and setting up, you know, getting my, I've, I am not the biggest fan of Twitter. I will not buy, <laughs> um, but I need to have that kind of presence. So, so working on those things, the things that have been on my to-do list for outward engagement, as well as internal processes and things like that, to, to fine tune them. It's a great opportunity. Um, and, you know, it's different for every person. I'm, I'm a mom. And so I've got a five-year-old that uh, my partner and I are trying to figure out how to do the homeschooling thing <laughs> with and, and figuring out how to share that work time. So it's all really complicated. It's just finding a, you know, a rhythm of, of how you make it happen. And, um, and that's really just what I'm focusing on is, is internally, what can I do to, to basically be ready because business will come back. Right. What can I do to bridge the gap between now and then, um, you know, look and, and for, for small businesses, like you were saying earlier as well, all of these SBA loan options, some of the different parts of the CARES Act that are coming out, they're great things. There's a lot of, um, articles online about the different opportunities for, for small businesses to look into. So those are, you know, an excellent resource. As well. Yeah. Awesome. So how can people reach out? What's the best way to get in contact with you if they're looking for advice about writing their business plan or if they need help with anything? Sure. Um, you can visit my Twitter page. Just kidding. <laughs> There's nothing Just on start it. it. You um, got to You got to build the following. You have to start it somewhere, somehow, right? So yeah. You got to start driving Eventually that traffic. There'll be something on my Twitter page. Um, but no, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Marissa Marconi, M-A-R-I-S-A-M-A-R-C-O-N-I. Um, and then my website, pinnacleplanwriting.com. Uh, emails great. Uh, phone is great. All my contact information is up there. Um, so those are all, all great ways to reach me. And I'm, I'm working from home and, you know, pros and cons, I'm available all the time, but also I'm not available. All the time. So, you know, I'm here yeah. in my art studio. <laughs> Work-life balance has completely grayed now. Yeah. You know, what used to be somewhat separated is now just completely a gradient at this yep. point. Who knows where it's it all done. begins yeah. and stops. I'm, I'm trying to train my dogs to start typing and responding to emails for me. If they can oh, do see? that, you know, they'll have earned their treats for the week for sure. But <laughs> unfortunately, they're just not, I don't think they're that into it. I mean, it. you may only get them to do yes or no. Like, just simple responses. <laughs> they, they could do that. They could do that. But I, I don't think I'm going to get them to do it. It's, it's just too difficult. They seem to be really glad. I, I saw a meme that said, uh, our dogs at home are really glad that you finally started embracing our lifestyle. So it yeah. seems that they're like, yeah, I think you, you're getting more of what we need you to do here. Just stay home, chill out on the couch. You know, yeah. maybe if I could just get you to put that computer down and whatever you do in the basement, which is what we're doing now, they're just, you know, uh, they don't get it, but more, more treats and more lounge. That's right. I mean, that's, that's pretty good to me. Hey, look, that's good advice for us all. You're right. That's a good mental health, uh, mental health tip across the board. So. <laughs> awesome, Marissa. Well, thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all of this information. I think it is really helpful. And hopefully people will reach out to you and to Pinnacle if they need help with, with their business plan writing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been great chatting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll speak with you soon. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Have a good one. Stay safe and right, stay indoors. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.